Oh, oh, one more thing. Just One More Thing, a podcast all about Columbo. I'm John Morris. And I'm R.J. White. This time we're talking about No Time to Die. Originally broadcast March 15th, 1992, directed by Alan J. Levy, written by Robert Van Skoyk, and Evan Hunter, under the name Ed McBain. It's based on one of his stories, starring Thomas Calabro, Dan Butler, Jenna Going, and of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. And every episode of the podcast, we're joined by a special guest to help us discuss Columbo, this time around, it is blogger, author, and podcast host, Amanda Reyes. But before we bring her on, RJ, uh, is there any time to die? I'm not sure, John, but I have a question <laughs> for you. Sure. Have you ever watched Columbo and thought, gee, what if he wasn't solving a murder? Well, for sake of argument, let's say yes. What if he was in some sort of bog-standard police procedural? Sure. What if he? What if we actually got to see one of these nephews who always references... I dream it about it at night. What if he actually seemed like a guy from a completely different TV series? Sure. Well, you're in luck, because in this episode, <laughs> we get to meet Columbo's nephew, who, as luck would have it, is also a cop in New York's famed 87th Precinct. Oh, I'm sorry, I mean LAPD. He's getting married to a fashion model, but uh-oh, she's kidnapped by an obsessed stalker on the wedding night. It's up to Columbo. He uses well-established expertise in kidnapping cases to lead the officers of New York's famed 87 Priests... Ah, sorry, LAPD, and a race against time. From grimy kitchens to van dealerships to turkey's massage parlors to college libraries to murder shacks in the middle of nowhere, Columbo and the boys of New York's famed 87th... Ah, God, why do I keep doing that? LAPD scour the city to save the swiped spouse. Also, Patrick Swayze's <laughs> brother, for some reason. Anyway. <laughs> I like that bit. Yeah, thank you. Uh, welcome <laughs> to the program. Thank you for doing this. And I have to ask you, as we usually do, uh, people who are on here for the first time, uh, what is your history and background with Columbo? Well, first, let me say thank you for letting me come on here. I'm super excited. Um, I grew up with Columbo, so I'm a child of the 70s, and it was on while I was alive. I don't really remember watching it in prime time, but where I grew up, we had a, like a Saturday afternoon movie oh, and okay. yeah, um, yeah. it would come on there. And the two episodes I remember seeing the most was uh, the most dangerous match, which you guys just covered. And I'm oh, kind of yeah. mad about that. Yeah. It's my favorite episode and um, etude in black. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, that's nice. Those, those seem to rerun all the time when I was a kid. And uh, you know, he was just a constant in our house. We're big Peter Falk fans, my family. And, um, you know, he did some TV movies and he was just really like in my life. I watched the 90s ones kind of after they originally aired on A&E. Mm -hmm. And I'm a bit of a softie when it comes to Columbo. I will pretty much watch any of these and enjoy them. And oh. I think that's going to work in our favor tonight, hopefully, to <laughs> give yeah. us something to discuss. Hopefully, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I, I so you'd seen this one before or no? I had not, but I was familiar oh, okay. with it because my husband um, had told me that there was an episode where there was no murder and that you actually don't know who the culprit is in the kidnapping till the end of the episode. And so I'd actually seen part of it at some point years ago, and uh, I had not realized that Thomas Calabro and Doug Savant from Melrose Place had right, started yes. in it. Yeah. yeah. So that was really exciting for me because I'm a huge Melrose Place fan. And um, 
So uh, I thought this would be a really good choice in terms of watching one of the newer ones because it does have a family history revealed, which is really interesting. It has, we'll probably talk about Columbo with a gun. And it veers off the path in a lot of interesting ways for me. So I thought this would be a fun one to try out. See, now, uh, for me, like you you, you, uh, picked up on the uh, the Melrose Place, folks. For me, I'm watching it, and uh, then I see Dan Butler show up. It's like, oh, it's Mad Dog from Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking, I can't believe it's Mad Dog. So familiar yeah. to me. And then when I looked it up, also the guy who plays the photographer was the Butler on the nanny. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And also yeah, the, uh, the I... president from uh, Clear and Present Danger is the <laughs> uh, the the uh, bride's father. Oh, Donald Moffat, I think is yeah, his name. Yeah, exactly. I love, yes. yes, yeah. So there's a whole I bunch of like, his... character actors it... in here. I thought his eyebrows did a really good job in this episode. Oh, they did a wonderful job, yes. Yeah. We can tie this back in, by the way. He was on an episode of Frasier as well. Oh, he was? Oh, there you go, see? (laughs) Perfect. So that's how it happened. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Frasier did it. Frasier did it. (laughs) Oh, my God. How come Kelsey Grammer was never a killer in the 90s episodes? Oh, so good. Oh, God. Actually, how is that ever come up? Because if Rob Wesley is listening... (laughs) from philly twitter uh yeah kelsey grammer <laughs> you figure that out man you figure out how the uh how, how uh, kelsey grammer would have been a killer in a 90s club because actually that would have been I, wonderful i hate oh to God. say this i think he would have done a better job than shatner in butterfly in shades of gray oh my god you know why i hate yes. to say it but we give give something else to shatner because he's great but right no he'd get a different episode but if it had been Kelsey Grammer in that one? Oh, oh it's so good. Let's talk about that episode. Let's make up <laughs> yes. our own Columbo episode. <laughs> because uh, let, let, let's let's uh, get it out there in the, the, the start of this. Amanda, you enjoyed this episode. John and I were not such huge fans. So I think that might be uh, the tenor of the discussion for this next uh, <laughs> little while or so. 20, Where do you want to start with you, that? I'll tell you the top three reasons it was good. Okay, good. Um, That's a great way to start. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thomas Calabro is number one. Okay. Thomas Calabro is probably number two. Okay, I see a trend here. And he might be number three. Okay. But I also I also thought that this was a really suspenseful episode. Um, so one of the notes I made, and I didn't make a ton of notes. I'm not much of a note taker. Um, is But you know when um, Joanna Goings' character, Melissa, the bride, yes. gets kidnapped, she wakes up on this mat and she's looking and they do it from her point of view uh, and she can see underneath the door yeah. where the light is and she can hear the kidnapper making tea. Oh, I know, but it's very suspenseful tea. Well, but it's scary because she has no idea where she is. She just sort of barely remembers what happened in her uh, hotel room. Right. And which, which, by the way, involved Thomas Calabro taking off his clothes, which, you know, is number four. Well, and so, but, but I got to feel like it's a little undercut by him still seeking... For he's a jolly good fellow. Oh, that's right. Well, actually, God. for I'm a jolly good fellow. But anyway, yes. But please. it's his night. It's his night. Yeah, but <laughs> for I'm a jolly. Uh, anyway, yeah. never, never been at a wedding, by the way, where they sing for he's no. a jolly good well, fellow. Not too. once in my life. Uh, when they when they do the flashback where she's remembering her kidnapping uh, with with uh, the crime doctor coming at her. Yeah. Um, the crime, crime doctor. doctor. That was the best TV series I the ever saw. Crime Thanks Doctor. For. Thank you, John. Yes, thank you, everybody. Uh, but um, the fact that I didn't notice it until I watched it like the second time with my headphones on, they have audio of Calabro still singing the song 
for I'm a jolly good fellow underneath that entire horrifying scene. Yep. And he's still really? singing it. Yeah, they still yeah. they still play that oh, under that's there. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like if they it's like if they awesome's played a word like, for it, like I guess. Spanish flea or something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, like I, as I, somebody's I, getting cut with a scalpel, there was a little Spanish flea. I oh. feel like, um, well, I guess I didn't realize that was in there, but I feel like there was a lot of those moments, and I like the way they slowly reveal who the kidnapper was because we don't know who he is, and they could have just shown him. And I will say, right. when yeah. he first starts talking to her, I thought it was Frank Fontaine from Murphy Brown. <laughs> and I was like. Gosh. I was like, this is going to be great, that guys. That would have been wonderful. Oh, my gosh. I would have yeah, loved would've... that. That would have I think that would have been really good. I yes. think that would have been really good for one reason, is that Fontaine played things really rabbity and nervous. Yes. Yeah. And this guy, uh, do do we want to come to my complaints about the ki- the would-be killer yet, or shall I we don't wait? Know. I, mean, I mean, I don't know where we, I don't know where to start. Should we go chronologically well, yeah. a little can, bit? Should we? I can walk you through this. So Thomas Calabro takes sure. a shower. Yes, okay. right. Yes, yes, he does. No, that's so, actually one scene. He one. takes yeah. at least a shirtless shower. Uh, we'll assume yeah. pantless too, but we at will. the very least, shirtless. Yes. Yeah. Check so, out shirtlessness. So it's yeah. actually, you know, so it starts off at a wedding, <laughs> and what's what I what intrigued me most right. about the episode was that there's a reference. So for, first of all, we actually see a real relative of Columbo. So he is. Yeah. Uh, Parma is his last name. I can't remember the Thomas Clover's character's first name, but he is Andy, Columbo. Andy Dis- Parma. Andy. Detective Andy Parma. Yeah, he is the, the nephew precinct. of Columbo. Yes. And we find out that um, Columbo's sister is, is deceased as well as his right. brother-in-law. Yeah. And, and I kind of like the... couldn't be bothered to come to Oh, this. she couldn't be bothered. She's taking yeah. care of her mom. <laughs> right. But yes. I, I like the introduction of real people because it, it blends that sense of fantasy because everybody's always asking, does he really have a family? And I don't know that that question ever goes away because on Andy's side, there's very few relatives, if any, besides Columbo. Right. And so there's still this idea it's it's kind of meta in a way, I guess, because they're taking the idea that he has a real relative, but now we're wondering what's real and what's not. And I was kind of curious, in the Dangerous Match episode, you referenced uh, Columbo talking about a nephew that had really thick glasses that really liked uh, the, the chess player. And right. I wondered if he became Andy Parma. Well, I mean, I, but that could be. But I mean, I was thinking about that watching this, too, the fact that you actually see a nephew. And he refers to this nephew or ne- that nephew throughout the entire series. And we've talked about this too, about like he he references someone just when it's convenient, just to try to kind of get under someone's skin and just kind of ingratiate himself with folks and whatnot. And so that's what kind I thought was kind of odd and slightly off-putting about this. Like, oh, you're actually seeing one of them made flesh. It's like, oh, he actually does exist. But in a way, it kind of works. Like, he's never talked about this guy. Maybe he's always kind of lying about made-up nephews. But this one, like, he doesn't talk about this guy. I don't know. It was strange. Like, maybe this one is the one that he buys a boombox for in Columbo the Murder Rock Star. Who knows? <laughs> uh, no, we'll say, let's pull back. Hold on. I can't remember what episode it is, but Columbo does say he has a nephew on the force. He does? Really? Yeah, I can't remember which one. Oh, I need wow. to... I'm going back and listening to all our old podcasts right now, and so I'm going to have to start making notes on all the different Columbo. I just move forward, family. and I don't go back. But yes. I... Yeah. I also like that instantly, well, of course, you get sort of that, uh, the, the Columbo you get in the other episodes, but the facade is dropped very quickly. And so I think it's interesting from an actor standpoint to watch Peter Falk be Columbo, but not be Columbo at the same time. Right. So, so, you know, he's got that real charming, like, you know, he cuts a rug and he's talking to the bride's mom and he's talking about his wife and it's very Columbo-esque. 
But the second he realizes that Melissa has been kidnapped, he becomes like a detective and there's no like messing around. And so it's like this Columbo we've never seen because he has to handle things differently. And um, so there, there, as far as they know, has been no murder. Mm. And so they have, they're under pressure. So he can't like do this sort of act where he goes back and forth with people to figure out what's happening. He has to like call people, get people in to set up the phones and he has to be very, very uh, serious. And I think it's a really interesting approach. And I think that also he's really gentle with his nephew because Right. So Melissa gets kidnapped and he comes out of the shower and he's, you know, she's missing and he calls his uncle and then Columbo realizes something's wrong. So he's looking. So there's a shoe that's missing from the hotel room. So he goes to the fire. Oh, the coach park. thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he sees it and he never tells Andy that he has the shoe. There's something very like he he doesn't want to alarm his nephew, even though his nephew's fully alarmed. And there's a lot of like double play there at the beginning. That's really interesting, too, because, you know, he tells Andy, call um the police and get this set up here we need a wiretap and then you see him pick up the phone but there's a second where you think maybe he did something to melissa and it's a game that he's put on and and then you find out that it's not that he's he's actually a victim of it but there's like some interesting like maybe it's one of these guys maybe it's doug savant you know and then um and then it goes straight into like oh my god it's this guy we've never seen before and i really like the way they just sort of body cut him so you just see him in silhouette and then you see his eyes and you know it scared me i'm a huge slasher movie fan so i maybe i like the idea oh, of the okay. way they shot yeah, it yeah, yeah yeah you know it's got a very like stock and slash without the slash um yeah. thing happening that i found really intriguing so yeah i really liked it okay the I, uh the thing about colombo finally addressing whether or not he has a relative i prefer to think he was fucking with that entire room Oh really? How do you mean? I, that he's been he's been pulling that that fake relative thing for so long that he convinced this kid somehow that he's his <laughs> uncle. And now he's up in front of an entire room like their parents are dead. And also have I told you about my cousin? He's just making shit up. It would be amazing. <laughs> that's how that's he's playing twelve dimensional he's just, chess. He's just gaslighted this guy for years oh my God. thinking that he's his uncle on the yeah, force. Exactly. Oh my God. This is how I prefer to think about it. Okay. Oh my God, that'd be so strange. <laughs> But that's fan fiction. Was killer all along. But I mean, as as you said, like the, the stuff talking about Mrs. Columbo. I, I one thing I like about this is the fact that uh, folks have their theories, like, oh, there is no Mrs. Columbo. But this one, I think, would really disprove that uh, uh, wackadoo theory because it's he's got no reason to lie about Mrs. Columbo when he's talking to the uh, bride's mother. It's like, yeah, of course, there's a Mrs. Columbo. Sure, yes. There's no reason to lie about off. it. Yeah. No, I think people who don't want him to have a wife. Well, there's dozens of pieces of evidence in the uh, a stitch in crime. Right. Yeah. He talks about her before he even gets to the murder scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we what was the one where he just did? We just reviewed one where he did a phone call. Oh, any old to port, her. Any old port. Any old port in the storm. storm. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. There's Mrs. Columbo, and this just I think reinforces that even more. Yes, there is a Mrs. Columbo. She's out there. Yeah. She exists. And in this one, he's having a very very pleasant. A conversation about her uh, with the bride's mother, which I think, oh, if you listen to this show and you think there isn't really Mrs. Columbo, uh, go go listen to something else. Go listen to a Fraser podcast for all we care. <laughs> there's you're, there's you're... no Mrs. Fraser. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's right. I mean, yeah. if you want the old Fraser <laughs> stuff and Cheers, well, there's an ex. There's an ex. And Cheers. Uh, he talked about uh, both his parents being dead. For crying oh, out loud! Right. That's yeah, right. So you know, like, oh, you yeah. got more, you got more of a conspiracy there than you do uh, sniffing around Mrs. Columbo. 
Well, have you guys ever seen a TV movie called Murder Can Hurt You? No. No. What is that? I mean, well, it's a, and I understand, it's a, I understand the, the sentiment of it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a spoof <laughs> of 70s cop shows. So P- oh. Columbo is Palumbo, played by Burt Young. What? And, uh, oh, my God. And Beretta. Wait, really? I can't John, remember get what on this. For the, for the Tony Tumblr. Danza. Tony Danza is the Beretta character, and um, what? Gavin McCloud is No Jack. By oh the my way, God. what? The best. So, but anyway, there's a Mrs. Columbo in there, and it's played by Liz Torres, huh? and she is horrifying. She is absolutely she's the most terrifying woman ever, and she hates being married to him. And she's a horrible cook, and she's a horrible homemaker, and he's just in love with her. So, in all the scenes that he talks about her, or they're together. It's this really loving, like the way he talks about her on the show. But then you see her, and she's just like, I can't wait for you to die. This and it's is like blowing my mind. Everything you're it's telling me is blowing my mind. I did not so know when, this existed. So when I think of Mrs. Colombo, I always think of Liz Torres in that oh, role. And be, I can't better than the my, Mrs. Colombo TV series. So yes. You know, and I'm a huge fan of uh the Mrs. Colombo TV series. I'm as sorry. Well. You come back. Come back and talk Mrs. Colombo with me because I cannot I, get this guy do, with you. We might do a few of these. We might do a couple more. You pick the one where she goes undercover as like a call girl. Wait, what? Hold on. Mm-hmm. There's one of those. Good yeah, Lord. she's like an I, escort, and it's pretty what? good. What? Why? That's a good one. Why? I like the Donald Pleasance one a lot, and we still got to do the the pilot one day. Which, oh, if you're into, I actually, love Amanda, that one. Ooh, yeah, yes. if you're really into slasher movies, let's bring you in because that yeah, goes actually, slasher yeah, movie one. like that. Yeah, no, it oh, does. Okay, I don't remember that, but yeah, I love. Yeah, it. no, like, uh, uh, you were the uh, mystery solving uh, kids from up in New York. Uh, we'll bring uh, somebody in to talk about that pilot <laughs> episode because oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> It's grim. Uh, so, I, I don't know where to go next. So, lo- so looping I mean, back around to Columbo actually doing police work and having to yes. do it in a different way. So that, I, there, that part I am okay with in this episode. Yeah, well, there's there's two things he did that really <clears throat> impressed me. I think both from a writing and an acting viewpoint. And the one is when he's on the stairs. <clears throat> and I think he refers something like the 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 victim or whatever was was taken this way. And his nephew you know, iterates, it's my wife, you know, it's Melissa. A little too dramatically, but yes. A little too dramatically, but then Columbo takes a second and he says, Melissa was taken down the stairs. Yes. And he just kind of resets himself, and he's doing it to, like, kind of, you know, pat his feelings down, which is, I think, the first time we've ever seen Columbo, I guess, not mess with someone in a point of stress. Yeah, I guess so. Well, he's yeah. actually being like really comforting and being like, "It's okay. We're gonna do. I got to do my job." But you're right. It's Melissa. Okay. Yes. Just have to put our heads down, actually do the work, and figure this mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And uh, later on, when he's when he's in the uh, in the squad car with the captain, and all the sirens are going, and he has that conversation with him about, That's right. "Can we? You know, let's turn him down because we got some young guys here. It's going to get excitable." You don't want this to happen the wrong way. And then, of course, everybody busts in the room and starts firing wildly yeah, towards the kidnapping. Right. <laughs> yep. yep, just start firing Still, guns. All right. Good point. Still. Good point well made. Sure, yeah. Yeah, the uh, the nephew, uh, Columbus, is like uh, around the same time. Well, no valuables taken. Only the most valuable thing in the world. <laughs> He's I'm a little pretty sure the Hope Diamond is still ex- in existence <gasps> at this time, in 1992. Know... Can we talk about Melissa's modeling career? Because, you know, when we we see her slideshow... Her 18-month meteoric rise, uh, doing ads for Mervyn's circulars. Her her slideshow is glamour shots all the way. It's like, who did these pictures? Sears catalog Yeah, it was horrifying. I mean, she's a beautiful girl. And she looks like a model. 
Because you want to be you want to be a you want to be a working model, not necessarily as like uh, high fashion ones. You want to get she to, did like, buy the, their house. Ground out, grind out the uh, the normal stuff, day to day. J C Penney ads, things like that. That's more. I really, I really loved it. It made me want to be her. It made me want to be her in that moment, even though she was terrified. Oh boy, <laughs> that's how much I love those. She photos. knows how it to was... use salad dressing. It'll give her that. She does. You know, they did that. They did that scene in one camera shot. I don't know if you noticed that, but when she uh, realizes that she can use the oil on the door, that whole scene is just done in one beautiful camera shot. And um, it's really well done. I think Alan J. Levy directed it, and I'm actually Facebook friends with his wife. Wait, what? Um, Sandra... oh, yeah, Sandra Curry. Oh, what? Is... He's married to Sandra Curry, who who is you know a famous beautiful actress who was who did a lot of guest spots. She was on Magna PI, which he directed an episode of at least one, and um and she was on the Golden Girls, and um so I always harangue her about being. She was also on Magna PI, so I always like you were in Magna PI, and she's like yeah, and I'm like that's so cool, and she's like so, yeah. So are a lot of people. <laughs> I do that to everybody that I've it, It's like it's like a play in Rizzo on uh, Broadway in Greece. Everybody was in that. Everybody was in Magnum. Uh, Magnum P.I. for crying out loud. Magnum. Yeah. So, um, but uh, I think he did a really good job with, like, um, also the narration. And I can't remember the specific scenes, but they, like, they'll cut back between two scenes happening. So you see mm-hmm. Columbo dealing with one thing. I think it was the Bill Bailey scene and then the guys at the library. And I also want to say uh, in my day job, I'm an archivist. Mm-hmm. And this is just one of four or five TV movies I can think of offhand where the archive solved the crime. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but that's the, the, the uh, that's the, from the Mikado, isn't it? Let the archive solve the crime. The archives always solve the crime. And I'm always, as an archivist, I find so much to love about the fact that like the hero is the archive, but, but they wouldn't have gotten to those archives if the president university had not told them that, Oh, oh sometimes, uh, universities, uh, house their yearbooks in libraries. Oh, okay. But he <gasps> yeah, wouldn't have told like, them. they never but, heard of that. But he wouldn't have told them that unless they uh, told him that that valuable information. Unless they had told him, like, oh, but this cop's uh, uh, bride's been kidnapped. Oh, then you want to go to the library. All right. That's a That's weird scene. That's where all crime solvers go. Sure, sure. Yes. Yes, of course. That's where Kolchak went in both Night Stalker movies. That's... He relied heavily on his archivist. Oh, of course. Yes. But he needed to go there, and nobody was blocking the way to the library for yearbooks, I guess. For this no. It's me. I got no I got no pony in this race. I don't care if he went to the archivist <laughs> or not. I yeah. don't care if he went to the dean and told him about the – don't care. Well, By that okay. point of the episode, I was in a huge not-caring mood. Yeah. So so the archivist, uh, they go to the library to try to discover the kidnapper's identity because he went to the, uh, Rams, the, the uh, wonderful Ramsey College in Pomona. Uh, yeah, that's California. right. Prestigious for for medical school. Well, prestigious for Pomona <laughs> medical schools. Um, but yeah, they go to find this guy, John. I it's believe when, you had you... said you had some things about the actual guy himself, the obsessive uh, killer fella. Well, would be killer. I was just going to point out that when you when you fail out of Columbia Community Medical College, you end up in Pomona. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so this is a larger. I, I feel like we have to come to a point where. We talk about overall what it is that this this episode let us down on or or that we enjoyed about it. Right. And I have a real I sort of have a generally big issue about just how it was it was a fairly tedious episode. The pacing was about as tight as you could get, but there's not a lot of energy in it. And this is what led me to really Well, I don't know. Those those scenes killer. where they're going to uh, car dealerships and gathering up brochures of vans. 
was it Ditch Van? They spent a lot of time on that. They spent a lot of time grabbing the van brochures. But I think I think what was bothering me about it is that thinking about this from a, and, oh and it's not really the show's fault that it was kind of tedious and slow paced because it was the nineties and nineties television had the, every every TV show for the most part felt like it was being recorded uh, in a suite in a Radisson you know right it was like, the, the general style the look yeah yeah mm-hmm. so like there was no like if I had to. If I had to look at a scene from this and a scene from Star Trek: The Next Generation, I might not be able to tell them apart, right. just because there was that uniformity. <laughs> that's, that's in the a air. good. That's a good comparison. The basic science fiction show ever made. Yes. <laughs> so, the uh, but the thing about the killer is that he's a psychopath, or a sociopath, or he's just nuts, and he's supposed to be <clears throat> driven by this kind of insane passion. And I get that he was trying to play it in a real cool kind of Buffalo Bill way. Yeah. But he was so predictable, and that's the greatest sin. If you're going to have a crazy killer, nothing he did felt very surprising. The scene where he grabs the lipstick and puts it on, that was meant to be disturbing, but you could see it coming. Yeah. And every time he threatened her with a scalpel, it didn't feel like... A threat. A threat, because he had a plan... The closest thing to like something that was really you know startling and surprising was how bombastic that version of Here Comes the Bride was that he had hooked up to the light switch in his bedroom. Right, that was dis- even then, that was really surprising and disturbing and strange. Like, oh, he looks at this every single night. Okay, I didn't really find it that disturbing. The music started and the slideshow went on, and I was like, that's it though. He's just got these kind of you know uh, glamour shots. These aren't even glamour shots. These are like Owen Olin Mills. These are like her high school graduation photos. <laughs> like, oh, here's a nice, you know, plain blue background. I'm a model. And it was just not, there was no, there felt like no threat. The most threatening moment of the episode is the very last scene when all the cops burst in and just start shooting at her. <laughs> her, her husband fired three rounds at the killer who was standing right in front of her in yeah. motion. There were two other cops who had better angles to shoot him. And, of course, you know, for the story, they had to have him do it. For God's sake, have him come through the door and shoot. Not Columbo. Columbo came in at the perfect angle. Well, Uh, Columbo, actually, that's weird, too, because Columbo comes in there at the end, and he's got the gun in his hand, and the guy's uh, laying there on the bed, the the kidnapper on the bed with no blood, mm -hmm. and it's white tux and no blood, and... Columbo just looks down at the gun in his hand in this very bemused sort of way. And it just seems like such a weird moment to me. And also, I don't know when Columbo got a gun. They didn't really set that up either. Yeah, they didn't. And I had to rewind that part because I was like, does he have a gun? I was like so shocked. Yeah, um, it's strange because he's got a gun. Yeah, it's jarring that he has a gun in the first place. And then two, he seems surprised he has a gun. Somehow, like yeah. one just like was thrown to him, or just appeared magically. I think I think I interpreted kind of it smiling yeah. at it. I think I interpreted that as him going, "This is the one time because it's his family who's in trouble. The one time that he's going to use a gun, and then he doesn't even need to use it." I think that was more what it was. He's like, "Ah, didn't even have to. All right, because all these nutcase cops came in here, and fired <laughs> right. a million rounds at her. Yes, yeah, yeah. Just put uh, her in actual jeopardy, sort of." 
Um, so what, what do you think? Do you think they just went on their honeymoon afterwards, or, or <laughs> that's a good question? Became... Oh my god, I didn't think about that. That's yeah, a really what, good question. What yeah. would be the follow up to this? Like their entire marriage, their entire life would be kind of messed up. Because also, oh my god. if they hear the song, just like me, if they hear the song uh, "He's a Jolly Good Fellow" one more time, they're going to lose their minds. Yes, or or the sound of a camera shutter. Yeah. Uh, oh, so let's go into that. I wrote that down. Oh, what did you so, write down, John, about the camera? In shutter? the first uh, in the first ten minutes of the episode, they make a big deal of having the photographer there taking photos. Who, who also delivers an enormous amount of exposition to Columbo Tremendous. and the bride's mother, where he just he stops taking photos and explains uh, the previous eighteen months of the bride and groom's <laughs> lives, and then goes back <laughs> to taking the photos. But yes, John, please, sorry. Uh, so the Foley for the camera click was enormous and just way too forward. So on my second viewing, I counted them. Oh my God. And in 10 minutes, wait, wait for the full number in 10 minutes. That camera shutter was audible 79 times. Wow. And there were, there were, you know, long stretches where it wasn't going on. So when it happened, it was just, but there were also 13 camera flashes that might have been accompanied by the Foley, but there was crowd noise and I couldn't tell. Good God. So conceivably 92 times in 10 minutes, a loud camera shutter was heard. And I now hate the sound of cameras. <laughs> I am, I'm opposed to them. So I went to my friend's wedding many years ago and my <clears throat> friend bought up, brought his Polaroid and mm. you know, it's, I don't know if you've ever heard of Polaroid, but it's dead silent and they're getting married. They're doing their vows. And my friend takes a photo and it's like, and he continued to do it through the ceremony. And I'm like, what are you doing? That is so loud. It's ridiculous. And he just stands there waving the Polaroid picture too. That's right. Flapping. You don't have to do that. It's fine. No, I got it. You know what's interesting about that opening scene, though, is when I watched it a second time, um, I kept looking for the kidnapper. He's not there. And oh, he's not, he's not there. there. But, oh, God. But you know, what, you know what's fascinating about that is I think that in my mind, if I'm going to do like a deep reading of it, I think the theory behind that is that there's a difference between the truth and your perspective. Oh, no, but here, so, here for me, well, it's I got to the end <laughs> of the episode where they had the photos. Where it's like I rewound it and the one photo where he's supposed to be behind them at the elevator, not only is he not behind them at the elevator, the photograph, it's a different elevator in a different building. <laughs> is it really? Yes. It's a completely different thing. <laughs> they forgot so, they needed the photo. They were like, shit. Yes. So they had to go you back. You know, the thing is when, uh, like, oh, that only Motel 6 is open, me. guys. Yeah, pretty much. When they're, when they're looking at it, oh, too, goodness. The, oh, the, bride slowly, so the bride slowly disappears. Until Columbo grabs a guitar and starts playing Johnny B. Good. And then slowly the bride starts reappearing in the photograph. Yes, sure. No one has to get that joke. That's cool. Oh, no, I, I got it. I, I, I got a smile on my face. Okay, good. That's fine. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here in Philadelphia, smile on my face, cross continent. It's fine. So uh, also I counted, not only did I count the camera shutter clicks, I also counted the number of jolly good fellows we were introduced to. Oh gosh, yes. 35 times the line for he's a jolly good fellow or I'm a jolly Jolly good good fellow fellow. was uttered. That doesn't count the number of times just the music was heard. Oh. That's right. Okay. 35. There's no excuse for that. I don't care what you're trying to establish. That is just filling dead air. 
Oh, I'm looking at my notes. Uh, I'm gonna. Can we talk a little bit about the uh, the the mother of the bride, uh, her oh, unspecified yeah. sickness, which seems like yes. a plot point, and then just kind of goes away. Well, you know what's really interesting about that is Donald Moffat goes down the father to see what's happening with all the wiretapping and everything, right. and he says, "I left a note for my wife. I told her I'm at the gym, and he's wearing a robe in his PJs. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's right. like if she's awake when you get back, she's gonna know you're lying." I'm like ninety percent positive. Well, you know, Amanda, the rich are different from you and I. <laughs> they sometimes I, uh, exercise in their pajamas and bathrobes. You know what, Miss Ellie on Dallas? Shoes. Miss Ellie on Dallas used to work out in skirts. She had that little bike in the back of the South Fork, you oh, know, where the big go. Was. Yeah, and she yes. wore a skirt. Perfect. <laughs> so it fits in. I, uh, I'm still feeling a little burned for my Back to the Future joke, but I am willing. Oh, I'm willing stop. to throw it. It was in. good. It was a fine oh, okay. joke, John. It was that a fine when, joke. When Donald Moffat was sitting, Donald Moffat was sitting on the hotel room couch talking to Columbo. All I could think was, someone would untie me from this fucking couch. That one I don't get. That one I've, I'm thing. completely the gone. Thing. It's the thing. The thing. The thing. Oh, the thing. that's right. I've never seen the thing. I've never. That's seen such a good oh, movie. What I, the what? I know. I know. It's a big, big blank, empty spot in my soul. I've oh not my seen gosh! That film. Uh, like, so and, and I only saw They Live like two, three years ago, so I can't oh, really? yell too no, much. No, I know, I know. Yeah. But yeah, no, I've never. Oh, yeah, I've so never good. seen the thing. I've heard and seen. I, I've seen like a lot. I've, I've seen, well, I've seen the original fifties thing, thing from the world, That's but I've not seen the John Carpenter one. So I've not seen it. I That's know. Amazing. I need to. I need to. I'll, so uh, is They Live. Oh my God! They're both yeah, amazing. no, they live as far. I know. Yeah. You know, the thing is, there's movies that are so ingrained in the popular culture, you kind of feel you know so them you know without the seeing them. Yes, that's the thing. But yeah. the, the thing, like, I if I see some somebody post something, like, oh, I know what that is. They're referring to this. I know. I get what they're. Yeah, but you didn't know about getting untied from the fucking couch, RJ. Well, that's <laughs> all right. I forgot he was in that. To be honest with you, I always think yeah. of Wilford Brimley because I always think of Wilford Brimley in general. Taking so, a shower, sure. singing I just, Jolly yeah, I just you know, with yeah. his, his diabetes and everything, I, yes, just, exactly. I just adore that man immensely. So I guess when I think of the thing, I actually think of him. And I think of T.K. Carter because yep. nobody else thinks of T.K. Carter anymore, I don't think. So I have to. How, how about Don Swayze? Anybody think of Don Swayze? I love Don Swayze. He's so, I'm a huge Don he's Swayze He's so weird fan. in this. And also, there's <laughs> no reason for his storyline at all. Right. You know, that's another... Well, that's what I liked. I liked that in a real crime scene, you're going to have um, leads that don't pan out, and they right, had a couple. Show, but don't show the audience that that is a pointless road to go down. You keep the tension with the audience. You don't let them know that they're wasting their time over several scenes to go that. Like, you don't don't show us I the guy. That. Don't show us the guy who actually is the culprit. Like, you make us kind of think, like, oh, maybe they'll go to the hotel. Maybe they will find her. Maybe this is the guy. And then after that... Yeah, yeah, show us uh, the weirdo with the dead uh, the mom and whatnot. But this, like, you knew it a few scenes before that they are just going off and wasting their time with Don Swayze. And that, that's no, the, the thing that thing frustrated is, me. There's a way they could have done it that would have worked, and they yeah. didn't. And it's like, oh, guys, you had a chance. You had Don they Swayze. Put, they put a clock on it, right? They, you, there was mm. going to be a ceremony oh, that was going to yes. kill her. Yes. So... <clears throat> that usually works, and they were kind of like trying to run out the clock and fill it up a bit. So they put him on a wild goose chase, which I think's in the book. I can't really remember. All right, but, we'll talk about that a little bit because you actually have read the novel, right? This is based yeah, this on... one is it's one yeah. of the eighty sevens I've read. Yeah, because I was watching the episode, and they have the bit where uh, uh, the other guy from Mano Two and uh threatens to Doug kidnap Savant. the bride. 
Doug Savant. There you go, I'll, Doug I'll, Savant. Yes, Mulrooney. Detective Dennis De Mulrooney. Yes. I'll memorize it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, when he threatens to kidnap the bride, and then you know, there's that go check on him. And I, so I was just tickling my memory a little bit. And about halfway through, I'm like, oh, this is an 87th precinct. I didn't even remember. I didn't recognize uh, McBain's name on it. So, yeah. Uh, but in the, in the book, this is, you know, they do this too. But there's a sense of menace in the book. I think because the book can be a little more explicit. And it relies on your imagination more. In this episode, since we're seeing everything, and it's shot in that kind of laconic 90s style... Mm-hmm. It doesn't really feel like they're racing the clock. Except you know? when they put the clock on screen in giant numbers. Right. Oh, speaking of which, <laughs> why did it have a typewriter fully? I don't know. The numbers would come on like, but they were digital. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's like, and also when Columbo goes to see the bride's father, and he's like, oh, it's almost one thirty in the morning. Like, how did he know? Because it wasn't on the screen. We didn't hear it typed up on the screen that it's almost one thirty in the morning. Anyway, yeah. Well, so wait, did you guys like Bill Bailey? You know, I, I like, like Bill the Bailey. Actor. The Bill Bailey, I like. Yeah, it was a weird character, but uh, yeah, he's an okay, dude. Yeah, he really Just, carried a lot. Like the part where he goes he was and one talks of the most about natural, his name was a bit much. He was one of the most natural uh, characters and actors in the episode. I thought. Yes. Yeah. He was the one who just kind of felt like, oh, just some guy, just some guy who gets caught up in all this. He seems okay. Like, of everybody in the episode, he seemed like one of the ones who was like, oh, okay, well, he's fine. Yeah. And what did yeah, you think of Lance good... Legault? What did you think of Lance Legault? Lance Legault? Who's that? That was... He was the, the captain? The captain. Oh, the, oh! The dick captain who had the completely silent electric shaver, by the yes, way. Yes, uh, the <laughs> captain. Right. Oh, that's the guy. He's the... Uh, he, the who he, could never, who could never a... capture the A-team. Yes. He was, on, he was on Magnum. Oh, well, there you go with that, too. I know him as the guy who oh, was he, trying um, to hunt the A-team forever. He was and could Lieutenant never do Buck it. Green. Lieutenant yeah. Buck Green on Magnum. So he's always an angry nice. police captain. He was also the bounty hunter in Werewolf. Did you guys ever watch that show? Werewolf? Yes. No. Werewolf and Friday the 13th. Yeah. We're back oh. to back. They were like my Friday nights, man. I love that. I didn't know. I, I don't know this. Oh, weird. Uh, I'm looking up right now. He played Alamo oh, was it good? Joe. So, yeah, Alamo captain, Joe the Rogan. Captain. Rogan. <laughs> what was that? Alamo Joe Rogan. Was his name on that? Oh my God! <laughs> you this guy. Yes, you made that up. You made that up. No, his his character's name was Alamo Joe Rogan on Werewolf. <laughs> Dude, have you ever done hallucinogens? Open oh your third God. eye, get in your isolation tank. Oh my God! Yeah, oh, A Team. He was Colonel Decker. That's who it was. Colonel Decker. Yeah. Could never capture the A Team. They're always getting so he's, away. He's playing the role. RJ and I disagree strongly about whether or not this is this was a backdoor pilot for the 87th Precinct oh, show. I don't. And I so. I maintain I maintain that they were at least trying the idea out. And um, uh, so he's playing. He would make a great Captain Frick because Frick was was the <laughs> department of the captain of the precinct, and he was a just a jackass. And so, like, his his prideful, like, hard-headed way of doing things was perfect. Do you know he had a record out in the 60s, Lance Gold? What? Really? Yes, what he kind did. Of you can listen. It was, like, folky weird, folky weird stuff, I think. Because when he died, um, I looked it up. I didn't realize he had done it. And so I'm trying to do this off memory. Um, but I feel like it was folky weird. It might even be slightly spoken word because he has that beautiful, deep, weird voice that yeah. sounds like he's going to just, like, destroy you with three words kind oh, of guy. Weird. 
Yeah, and so he had like this uh, sort of I, record he made. I can't imagine him singing. That's so strange. So I can hear it. Really? I can hear that. Well, yeah, that deep little resonant voice. I can hear it. I, I can't hear it over the uh, din of his electric razor. <sighs> let me go, <laughs> let me go ahead and make a note. I'll put those in the tumbler. We'll see if sure, I can find sure. some, yeah, look for uh, that. some sound drink. Oh my gosh! Hey, the thing is, his character comes in and is largely ineffective in that. Uh, his police captain, uh, who lets himself be talked out of lots of things. Yep. yep. Yeah, he was really right. easy to... He was kind of a cheerleader, though, too, because, you know, when um, they finally blow up the pictures, Colombo keeps reiterating that the kidnapper's, like, a pretty good-looking guy. Oh, right, yeah. And, right? I and don't think he's so is like, Yeah, he's like, oh, my God, <laughs> guy, this guy might be raping my wife. And so he's like, let me see a picture of him. I don't think he's so good-looking. And the Lancelot goes, like, me neither. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's like he's kind of supporting him, you know, in the, the way Columbo should be. Wow, this guy is so hot. Have you seen him, Andy? This man is beautiful. Look at that hair. It's Walking into the hallway, telling everybody who passes. <laughs> yeah. also, uh, the fact that um, uh, Columbo, he's in this uh, uh, police division working on this whole case. I, I have to imagine Columbo Superior has to be wondering, like, I, Columbo was supposed to be in at, like, 9 o'clock this morning investigating that uh, murder mm. case in Bel Air of that uh, art dealer's wife who was trapped under a canvas. Where Why isn't Columbo injured yet? <laughs> and he's not calling anywhere. He's just, like, driving around town, not sleeping in his tux for 18 yeah. hours. Oh, Wait, with did with a great band brochures. He did a great That's job. It was so yeah. different as much from as, how we normally As much as I, I, I am not a huge fan of this episode, Falk's good in it. Uh, he's doing uh, the characters doing some good investigative stuff in it. Um, but it just it just feels it just to me the entire thing feels like they just shoehorned Columbo into a different type of police story, and there was a uh, search and replace on their old CRT <laughs> um, word processor. Uh, one character replaced with the character Columbo. Yeah. And then throw in a couple of references to cigars, and that's pretty much it. Columbo is not it. so okay. I'm trying to figure out who Columbo was was playing from the book. Oh right, yeah, yeah. You know, because obviously um, this is this is not Kling's uncle. <clears throat> which I guess let me actually take an aside to actually, this. Go back if you could talk because like earlier yeah. in the week you told me a bit about uh, this character's arc through the novels. Yeah, this so this was a culmination is, and kind of a strange thing. So please talk yeah. about that. This this book <clears throat> takes place about halfway through the eighty seventh precinct series, and there's like forty of these books. Good God! Uh, and Kling, Bert Kling, is one of the detectives, uh, and he has a literally disastrous love life. Like one of his one of his fiancés is killed in an explosion. Another one, uh, I think, tries to kill him at one point. And he finally gets married, and then she runs and off. This is, with the I just want to say, like, this is the uh, this is the um, Andy Parma, the nephew's character, is based yes. on this character. Yeah, they changed him to Andy Parma for this. <clears throat> right. Uh, so it, that he gets married in the middle book is a real big deal because he's got so much crap that's happened to him in, in terms of romantic relationships, which is why the joke about kidnapping has a much more emotional like pow because. He's got to be a character. Yeah, I think in the book, in fact, I can't. I did read it twenty five years ago, but I think in the book, even he's really worried about something going wrong because so much has. And I really would have liked that in this story, even though I don't know how you would have gotten it in there. Right. 
Although it would have, if this were a more traditional, if they weren't doing the 87th precinct and they were trying it as a more traditional one, uh, certainly that could have come out about the character in drips and drops, but I think probably it was just too much for this episode. So well, think, this I'm is, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. This is no. the second Ed McBain or the first of two, right? First one. Yes. Yeah. In yeah. the same season, maybe. Um, why Ed McBain? I mean, do you know what the backstory is to yeah, why they what is, adapted those? Yeah, I don't know. Well, um, you know, different uh, okay so back in the 60s there was an 87th precinct television series uh and it was great and norman fell is on it and he's perfectly oh, cast oh God. he's such a good nice. tired cop he's a oh, tired God, old sarcastic cop kind of role. perfect he let me tell you by the way he and ed o'neill the two guys i most want to see play cops all the time oh ed o'neill yeah. and they almost never play cops anyway uh, so it was a really great show. First episode had Robert Culp as a killer on it, so you definitely should watch that. I'll put it up on the Tumblr. Sure. So the rights for the 87th Precinct float around all the time. Plus, like I say, there's 40 books, so it's it's like an endless font of storytelling. Yeah. And I, I have to imagine, so either they were, you know, ABC had the rights and they were trying to get a show started using this as a stealth pilot or a test run. Um. Or they just had the rights to it and needed to use the script. But my understanding is that there's always an 87th Precinct pitch going on somewhere. <laughs> so they just had it. To this day? Or just you think back then? And... Oh, yeah. I mean, the last book was only written about 10, 12 years ago. Good. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he's t- there's a ton. I, I was thinking, this year I've really dedicated myself to getting back into reading full novels. This is like Encyclopedia like Brown stuff. It's like, it just keeps going yeah. and going and going. I was gonna, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and read all the 87th Precincts, and then I look, because I thought there were like 15. No, there's like, there's a ton. Last yeah. one written in 2005. That was the year first, he died, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, first one written in 56, by the way. Wow. Wow. That's cool, that's cool. Yeah, that's wow. a 50-year that's... career. That's... I had no Him idea. And Charles Schultz, yeah. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yes. gosh. When, when they adapted Peanuts on that one Columbo that they did. And then I <laughs> <laughs> so, Lucy, Lucy does where the, the football trick. Was, where the pianist was murdered. Oh yeah, Etude in Black. Pianist is, yeah, that's Etude in Black. Yeah. I was uh, actually Linus. thinking like how great it would be if they did a, like, a nice slow-mo thing where Lucy's <laughs> holding the football and Charlie Brown comes up to cook it, kick it, and she moves it, and then he hits his head on a rock, and she has to hide the body. Right. That was my favorite episode. <laughs> All right, somehow. more stuff to add to the show notes real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Draw Peanuts Columbo. Got it. <laughs> oh, fine. fine. I'd love to see that. Oh, nice. I, I have... I have some random factoids about how this, when this episode originally aired, if you're interested. Oh, sure. We always love this sort of thing. Love this Okay, so for some reason, I'm I'm under the impression that the Columbos of the 90s were part of a mystery wheel that was like the NBC mystery wheel, but with like B.L. Stryker and the revamped Kojak. But Mm. these actually ran, this particular one was a special. So it actually, it was ranked as one of the, you know, every year Variety used to do like the top uh, TV movies of the year and specials, and so they put it on there. It's the only Columbo that ranks on there because for some reason it was a special. I'm not sure why that was. So it ran as the ABC Sunday Night Movie. It ranked 79 out of 126 for the season, um, wow. in the network primetime special category. It originally aired on March 15, 1992. Its Nielsen was actually 16.5 slash 27. So the, I always have a difficult time with Nielsen. So. What that means, I believe, is that 16.5 million homes had it on, and 27% of households with TVs were watching. Really? So, it, wow. yes, it was the winner of its time slot, 
and was one of the highest ranked shows for the week for ABC. Was that, was, that, was, was that a Sunday night? I'm going to assume. It was Sunday. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was a Sunday. And Murder, She Wrote ran from 8 to 9 on CBS and I think was the highest rated show of the night. But then Columbo came on from 9 to 11 and ended up beating what it was ran against. Yeah, and what kid, it ran I remember against, that. Yeah, yeah. We always watch it after. Right. Yeah. And uh, so what it ran against on CBS was Taking My Life, Taking Back My Life with Patricia Wedding and Stephen Lang, which is a story oh, about hell. a who gets raped, and then it's about how she rebuilds her life. NBC ran, strangely enough, Back to the Future. Oh, it what? Did, yeah, it did not rank well at all, surprisingly. Uh, and Fox uh, ran Rock, Married with Children, Herman's Head, and Get a Life, and those did the worst. A, actually, Fox you know what? Stories. Come to think, I was probably watching Get a Life. Yeah, that was, was a great show. Originally, so I was probably watching that. Yeah, and that and sense. on Thursday, on Thursday of the same week, the ABC actually reran Columbo Goes to College. What? In the same week? Yeah, wow. yeah, in the same wow. week. Just, it I didn't can't do it. Imagine it being that much either. of a draw that they would. Wow, that's amazing to me. Well, well, well uh, he, I well, found I, out I, that a lot of people feels... love that episode. Oh yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, it's a tremendous. Like, I've seen people refer to it as their favorites. Yeah, I'm always surprised by so, that. I, I also think that the movie blocks were really popular because they already own the content. They've already paid for it. It's mm-hmm. theirs. So right. why not mm-hmm. run it? And they, they suck up two hours. Yeah. And, and sell the advertising, like, you're fine. And yeah. Yeah, they're going to make a profit. And so apparently, this Columbo, I don't remember these, but I guess this Columbo, where's my note here? Oh, of course, now I can't find it, so it's not going to mean anything. Oh, it ran <laughs> with an ABC news brief with Sheila Cast. Do you remember Sheila Cast? No, I don't. No. She she apparently did the ABC news briefs and I looked this up on like the Paley, you know, the television um oh shit, that means Oh, they do the interviews and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do Yeah, the yeah, yeah. They had they fight. they listed that as part of the episode actually. Oh. like at the end of the synopsis, so I just made a note of it cuz I thought that was interesting. So yeah. it was it was basically up against some pretty good competition. No, so I was um, surprised about the back to the future thing. I that, am too. Yeah, because it linked in. That I, was, that, I knew that. That's why I did that joke. See, <laughs> you're so smart. Oh, sure, of Very, course. I'm a clever boy. There you, you go. are, of course. <laughs> but it it did pretty well. Uh, but it, it is a polarizing episode. So Variety <laughs> Variety thought it was kind of a middling episode in terms of like what you guys said. It was a little predictable. But they liked the actors and they liked the energy behind it. The, whoever reviewed it, like the general news columnist, like the AP person or whatever. Sticks, so sticks, sticks, sticks. Yeah, he was like, he was like, this was horrible, and and I think that he was very upset about the fact that Joanna Going wore a slip through most of it. I think he found it a little exploitive, and I can kind of really? see that. Yeah, yeah I think I think she looked fine in it. It wasn't super revealing or anything, but no, I kind of by the nineties, I think the damsel in distress thing was kind of coming out of fashion because scream was coming in in just a few years so we were really seeing female characters take stronger roles it was probably a combination of the uh the slip and also lots of oil and vinegar on her hands that's right i like that she got messy i really like that that, because she put the oil in her hair at one point because everyone likes a messy girl (laughs) they do like a messy girl she's very beautiful she's very beautiful I've been, I've been reading the Stephen Toast autobiography lately, so I'm like, oh, like, yeah, hey, hello. She was the it girl around this time, too, because she was in Exotica, which I never saw, but that was the movie I remember was her breakout role. And now she still mm. works, but she never really hit that kind of high point after mm. Actually, no, looking her up, uh, she I, I was surprised. I did not recognize her, notice her at all. Um, in the last uh, season or so of Mad Men, uh, she was yeah. the actress on the uh, soap opera that uh, Don Draper's wife was on, uh, who was uh, very, very actively trying to seduce Don Draper's wife. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't realize. Yeah, her, oh, it's her. Her husband the was. Um, like, oh crap! Right. Yeah. Her husband was played by the guy from Cagney and Lacey, wasn't it? Oh, I didn't know that. Really? I'm gonna Where? have to go look this up. You mean the I guy think... from House on the Edge of the Park? I mean, not House on the Edge of the Park. Last House on the Left. I haven't seen Last House on the Left. Oh, because I can't think of the actor. He's seen... a big. Is he a big stocky guy? Yeah, big, the blonde dude from I think he's the blonde dude from Katie and Lacey. I gotta go look this up, guys. Yeah, I All know right. who you're talking about, but I can't remember his name. Yeah. Well, why are you gonna you know, uh, talk about Tubby Comfort? Well, actually, I oh, wanted to. I love uh, that guy. I want to back up real quick because the exploitative thing about the slip, I think, is is pretty accurate. And also, uh, just for my thing, I'm I don't have a stomach anymore for watching the damsel in distress stuff. Especially when it's this gruesome, when it's, it's like we're per- waiting for this woman to get cut with a scalpel. It's but part for the- she fought against it really well, she, which I liked did. in this episode. I know, yes. but... But it she is very- tough because because it is... A, I get what you're saying because I watch a lot of horror movies and so I have to watch a lot of women in you know certain states of undress running for people. And sometimes it's amusing mm-hmm. and sometimes you're like, you know what? That's taking it too far. But I have to agree with RJ here that I think that she's kind of spunky and oh, yeah, that very. they're doing something in there to make it not as distasteful. But I do I do see where that critic was coming from, and I don't think it's yeah. invalid. And maybe it's important because um, people were kind of like starting to move away from that, and that's probably a good thing. Go ahead. All right, Tubby Comfort. <laughs> so let's talk about I the guess, exploitation. I don't have a lot of, to add to it. Let's, add something, uh, let's talk about the exploitation of Tubby Comfort. I'll go. I want to well, go. Now actually, he looked great. Or of the number, or of adding up the number fifteen. That Tubby scene, Comfort. That scene where they spent forever trying oh, that's to right. add things I up to I couldn't even follow it. I couldn't even follow the. Well, we no, got two men how, and one woman. We got you, two women, you, three more men. How you follow? How you followed is add numbers to equal fifteen, and these like uh, four cops at a table took like twenty minutes to add things up to fifteen. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. Those things do add up fifteen. Hey, wait. <laughs> This, but this, but this, that equals 15. Wait, that equals 15. It was a lot of network uh, television time spent talking yeah, about I, it was what the, numbers it was add the numeric, up to 15. It was the numerical version of uh, For He's a Jolly Good Fellow. There's no number higher than 15. Yes. <laughs> okay, Wait, so tell me comfort. Huh? Sorry. Oh, oh no, I got it. I think it was uh, the beefy guy who was Arlene's husband is Ted McGinley. Oh, what? Ted McGinley from Love Boat? Ace the From Love Boat, Married ah, with Children. And yep. also uh, uh, Ruining uh, ruining um, uh, Happy Days, yes. Uh, actually, <gasps> Roger on Happy, Happy Days? That's right. Best. Happy Days did a lot of other ruining, but people usually yeah. usually center around him showing up. Yeah, he wasn't the guy who jumped a shark, man, so. Right. But he I was the grinning him. shark. I'm really, really glad I figured that out because it was going to bug me all day. I thought you meant somebody else, and I can't think of the actor's name. And this Tim McGinley was obviously not in Last House on the Left. Um, okay. Just to <laughs> clarify, although well, if he I'm, was, it now I'm going to have to go look up Cagney and Lacey. And no, don't. We got to talk about Tubby Comfort before we start. Okay, Let's first talk off, about we can Tubby Comfort. What a good name! What a oh, great that's a name. beautiful name, Tubby Comfort. Tubby Comfort, that's one of the and best it's better character names ever. It's better than the uh, than the name of the of the same character in the books, which was Fats Donner. Oh, Tully Comfort's <laughs> way better. It is, and they do a really good job of making him okay. So in the books, Donner is uh, he's a he's their most frequent uh, stool pigeon oh. informant, and they right. it's implied. Well, I mean, they keep him out of trouble because it's implied that he's a pedophile. Oh, great! Really um, strongly. Now, in this, they didn't have kind of time to establish that, but they still wanted to kind of 
I think they got across they the idea real well that he's a kind of a perv. He's well, a I mean, weird just pervert. He, I mean, but because he's just goes to a steam bath thing to get massages. Yeah, all day. He spends yeah, they all act day like, there. They act yeah. like that's the height of it. That he gets steam baths and sits in saunas. Like, oh, that's disgusting. You keep people who like steam heat off of the streets. That's the only reason we're not busting you. Or else I'd shut this place down. If people didn't want to sweat. They'd be sweating out there on the streets of New York. I mean, Los Angeles. People don't Martin, sweat in L.A. Martin yeah. Cove, by the way. I that's looked it Martin up. Martin Cove. That's who Martin Cove, who played yeah. Isbecky on Cagney and Lacey, and that I just mistook. So, okay. we're all up to date. Oh, my God. Between yes. Dem- from Demi Ginley? Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Back to Toby Comfort. Oh, yeah. Who, who, I, like his, I like the character. That he's a very Sydney Green Street-ish kind of character yeah. in this, which is neat. And he's he's getting a massage inside Jeannie's bottle. Yeah, right. That's kind of that's kind of neat. That's kind of that snazzy. whole bit was incredibly it's entertaining. Yeah. yeah, and I I don't know because it was so it was corny beyond belief. And it, it did not need to be in the episode at all. Added nothing. Yeah, to the it didn't story. really pay off too well. I mean, you know, it, it paid off at all. The, too well. The it red didn't pay no, off the at red all. herring. There was a it was a red herring. Yeah, but it and did. That's it was perfectly an unnecessary valid. Red herring. It was an unnecessary for the viewer. It's an unnecessary red herring. When the viewer already knows it's done, it's over, so there's no stakes watching it. There's no tension at all. You're just watching them waste their time as opposed to, oh, this guy might have something. Oh, they're going to get the, it's, it, it's There's nothing for the viewer because they wasted it before that. Whereas if they just reshuffled a few scenes or kept uh, the kidnapper in the dark, in the shadow, it's like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. she's at this place. Like, they didn't. Yeah. You know what I think might have ruined the red herring is that Columbo is on the right track. Mm. If if Columbo and the other detectives had all been on the wrong track up to that point, I think it would have worked. But Columbo was, you know, inexorably moving towards his goal as Columbo will. Right. And he already he already had an eyewitness he knew was right. Oh, you and know what? He was what? just trying to figure it. So hmm. they took That's right. John. Yes, sir. This is your thing. This is uh, Columbo as the antibody working through <laughs> working through an imperfect uh, crime series. Yeah, he was killing 87th Precinct before. Yes, that's air. what he was doing. He was like working through that. Like, no, no, that's how this works. You don't know. This is like, so it's Columbo as the perfect crime show antibody working through this very, very imperfect structure and but, just uh, disrupting it and making it very clear, like, no, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. You got to do it this way. You got to use Columbo. That's the only way to go. It, and yet. Oh, my gosh. Two years later. Yeah. Undercover he, happened. He goes yeah. again. Yes. <laughs> wait, 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 Amanda, who did Burt Young play in that uh, kind of parody series? Columbo. Burt Young, who was in Undercover with Columbo. Oh my god, they must have talked about it. They oh totally my god, they have to. That it. has to have come up. <laughs> oh my god, that's been you know, amazing. Falk, Falk would have seen that. He seems like the kind of guy mm-hmm. who would have done it. Seen that. Oh my gosh. Well, since I, he I did gotta murder by death, right? Oh, so he's right, yes. Right, he's a Yeah, Marlowe, Sam Spade, and that. So yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Oh my god. I highly recommend Murder Can Hurt You. I mean, it's really yeah, broad. Yeah, I, got, I gotta find that. Oh my god, Victor Bueno is Iron Bottom. Oh, God, <laughs> and JJ Walker is his is the guy you know that played the character. I can't right, remember the character's yeah. name in Ironside. It's so good. And by the way, uh, oh, uh, so Connie Connie Stevens is Pepper. Victor Bueno would have been a good she's salty. 
Victor Bono would have been good at Tubby Comfort too. I wanted him to be Tubby Comfort earlier. really badly. Yeah. yeah, I wanted him to do it. I, I wanted to go back in time and make him live totally so he could be in it. good at that. Oh my yeah. goodness! Um, I did a little did a little checking. Of course, you know Burt Young and, and Peter Falk who were in a movie together. Which one? All the marbles. Oh, I've never seen that. That's the one where he manages what? Female sort of female wrestling. Female That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I remember it being on HBO growing up as a kid. All the time. I remember seeing like the yeah, the video box in the video store. Mm-hmm. That was one of those movies my dad and I could watch together because I really loved wrestling and he really loved girls. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, look at my notes. Any other things I wanted to pick up before we start wrapping things up look at this it's been about an hour we did find quite a bit to talk about about this episode that we i think i think disagree we found on. liked there are things that were okay i like paul yeah. it. Uh, well we'll get to it in the wrap up i'm looking at the other like a weird uh little points and that sort of thing uh the, the fact that the uh, ambulance is pronounced very strangely as ambulance ambulance over and over again <laughs> is very very peculiar oh the uh the music the kidnapper has an uh, oh, that's right. The Oompa which music. did not did not pay off in any fashion. No, and didn't and, contribute anything. And and when I was watching it uh, with my wife, uh, we, we we both thought like, oh, that that's maybe the kidnapper is Daryl from Kids in the Hall who sees the Oompa band in the radio. <laughs> oh, I love Daryl. Oh my god. <laughs> maybe that's him. Maybe it turns out. No, sadly, no, it's not him. But it, it could have been with that music. Uh, the cops eating lots of donuts and coffee. In the hotel room, mm-hmm. which seems kind of obvious to me. Strange. Yeah, it's good stuff. I like that. Uh, I like that. Well, everybody likes donuts coffee. It's good. Um, I'm trying to look at these other things. Uh, the fact that the steam bath that Tubby covered for the time is it's an Arabian steam bath named Arabian Nights. So that's an original name for the Arabian steam bath. <laughs> Arabian Nights. I got, I got one note. I told oh, you to take many notes for this one. <laughs> Sorry. Good job. I got, I got one note. The bartender in that really nice hotel bar was a fucking oaf. Oh, hi, well, what? Jeez, what because I remember that. It's a really nice fancy bar, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's right. there's a wedding going on. And I remember the fellow, but what's wrong? Well, he gets a call and it's like for for uh, Dennis Mulroney. Oh, just yells it. And he just kind of goes, "Any of you named Dennis Mulroney?" Right. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. A nice bar, dude. Send the waitress around. Um, like you would do in any normal nice nice hotel bar. Another thing, I, I remember something like uh, we talked about earlier in the week uh, about the photographer and his relationship with Columbo. Mm-hmm. I think that you said something about how it, it felt a bit unearned how the guy took to Columbo. So, well, really, yeah, in every so. one of the '90s episodes, there seems to be an older character who loves Columbo, who thinks Columbo's great, and kind of is like, "Yeah, let's play this game of solving a murder." Uh, and in this one, it's it's the incredibly deadline stricken owner of a huge fashion magazine. What was the magazine called? I, re- I wanted to remember oh, I it. I remember. It was like feminine today or something like that. Or it was whatever. incredibly, it was an incredibly bad name. And, and the receptionist is like, are you going to arrest me? It's like, no, you got a homicide detective showing his badge, wanting to talk to somebody. It's, it's yeah, maybe you should go get, and also then, then after that, Columbus is like, which room do I go in? Uh, maybe the one that has the person's name clearly marked on it. <laughs> That you're standing That's in front of. That's detective work. Oh, it's great detective work. It's wonderful it's, it's, stuff. We, for, we forgot to mention that was Juliet Mills who plays right. the editor. Yes, who Julie Mills. The nanny. Mills is... right. Yeah, it oh, was wait. a weird cameo. It was, and also I learned from this that her father is a knight. Wait, the hell? The, 
Really, the Mills John, sister. Really? John Mills is has been knighted. He's Sir John no, Mills. I didn't know that. Wow. So That's I crazy. believe huh. uh, the entire Mills clan is uh, responsible for protecting the empire. Well, there we go. Great. Finally, good I for them. Him. Good for Haley them. Mills she, will kick your ass. That's right. So I'm I'm at the scene trying to find the name of the magazine, and so I'm watching. She immediately like instantaneously is just loves Columbo. She's holding his oh, hand, yeah. laughing at his jokes. She's great. Well, so is a photographer too for not really much of a reason. Like, I was like, oh, hey, hey, he's a great guy. Like, he'll get into Fort Knox. Well, he showed no, he... up at like two in the morning and he was like, Columbo, I didn't know. Right, but then he says <laughs> this line about like, oh, well, he'll get into Fort Knox. I get if you knock on Fort Knox's door and you let <laughs> yeah, him you in. Knock on the door I, and wait. I'm the cops. Yeah. And why does the assistant answer the door? I mean, right. there was somebody awake in the house. That was what was so weird. I felt bad for the photographer's assistant. like, hey, I made your uh, million copies of photos. Uh, now I'm actually going to do actual work I was supposed to do tonight that I still have a light to do. But uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> You can keep looking here's at your Here's your photos. three bucks an hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the uh, the magazine was called Feminine Flare, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's even better. Feminine is the flare. Oh. The layouts were amazing. The, the glamour shot layouts were my favorites. Those are oh, man. Yeah. And, yeah, the... I don't know. Anyway. Oh, the, uh, another thing I really loved is when he uh, you know, leaves her locked in the room... And, uh, you know, she figures out the oil and vinegar, which, you know, it's set up. Obviously, she has like an escape thing. Oh, sure. Take a real good look at that. What's left in there. And I will write this up for the blog. Hmm. But my my wife and I together managed to figure out like 40 different ways she could have escaped from that room using what's in there. Oh, it was really? a genuine. It was an A-team moment. It was just absolutely getting like, we're going to lock him in this garage with their van. And they look around. and There's all these spare parts and welding gear. So yeah, she had a ton. Of, she could have easily cracked through the windows. She had we. Uh, she had the little uh, tape player, and I originally thought she was going to wire that up to the to the uh, handle of the the doorknob, and electrocute the guy when he came in. There, there's a bunch. What? There's it, it's re- just go there and pause and just play this little mental game of how you could use that tray to escape a room. There's well, plenty. Well, she of, had that fork, right? Was that a fork? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Stab a dude in the leg. No well, knife, but a fork. Well, d- d- his, d- his, yeah. his house, his murder shack. <laughs> throughout the entire thing. Well, first of all, he's got it out there in the middle of nowhere, and he's never seen fit, even though he's going to keep someone captive there. Uh, to fix the front door. He's fine with just kind of laying oh, the front right. door in the doorway. <laughs> right. But then also, the entire time I presumed, like, oh, he's rented someplace somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. No, that's where he lives, and he yep. left that address uh, with his employer. So what that if anyone should ever call his employer, they'll be able to find his murder shack easily uh, by just going to that address. Which I thought, well, as a kidnap slash killer, kind of sloppy. A little sloppy. <laughs> But wasn't, I'm wasn't never... Murder Shack the name of the spinoff of Crime Doctor? Oh, probably <laughs> was, yes. It was good. Murder Shack good. in color. A Quinn, <laughs> color Martin, a Quinn Martin production. Oh, Murder so Shack. I loved it. I lo- with Carl Malden. Oh, yeah, Carl Malden was, was in there. Uh... James Darren. Yeah, it was a good show. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Carl Malden. Uh, I want to give some love to Beth Chamberlain, who played the junkie Cindy. Oh, oh so right. Yes. Samantha, Can I Samantha? have that? Yeah. Yeah. She was great. She was just a yeah. I actually really liked her. I thought. Okay. Uh, I actually really. I know she was overdoing it a lot, but I do kind of appreciate 
especially in these 90s episodes, somebody really chewing the scenery. Right. So and, I love that. I thought she was great. great cause like, uh, uh, Don Swayze in that scene was underplaying, which I thought was a really smart move. So I she kind of like bounce somebody, each other out. So, yeah. If you want to hire somebody who looks like Patrick Swayze did heroin for a long time, hire oh, Don, Don Swayze. Swayze. There you go. I love Don Swayze. So, you um, know, Don Swayze made an action movie with uh, Steve McQueen's son and Chuck Norris's son. I, I didn't know that, but I just would have assumed that. It was amazing. Sure. I can't Why remember the name of it, but everybody should see it. Why wouldn't he have? Because... Sure, that just seems like it was like all famous people's things. relatives. All famous people's relatives got together and made a movie. I like when they make those kinds of movies. <laughs> and and <laughs> the thing is, like his character, though they go after his character, uh, presuming he's the culprit behind this, because um, uh, Andy Parmas, Andy Parmas uh, killed Don Swayze's brother, not Patrick, but killed Don Swayze's brother. Um, turns out, no, it's not the case. So now this guy's still going to have a vendetta for throwing him into jail a second time. So it's not like they can oh, really right. relax. He's still going to want to kill this guy when he gets out of the <laughs> slammer yeah, this, for oh, drug was, possession and distribution. So that's, that's That was threat. one of my favorite moments that's because, you know, they ask him, like, anybody trying to get revenge on you? And he says, no, I can't think of anybody. And then 10 minutes later, he's like, oh, yeah, this guy. Didn't you kill I someone's he kill brother me. one he's, time in front of him? Oh, right. He just lays it out like it was okay. Yeah, he died in his brother's arms. <laughs> and like that was like a mess, you know. I mean, yeah, and it was that's, like, you know, that's something that happens. Like starring would be in an emotional. action movie with Charles uh, Chuck Norris's brother. It's just something that happens yeah. to somebody. It just happens. It's out there. No big deal. <laughs> sure. Oh, uh, so let's good. start. So fine. Going start around the up? horn, wrapping this up. Uh, we'll start. Uh, start with Amanda. You now. You 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 enjoyed this episode. Uh, your overall impressions of this, especially in, in in the whole scope of Columbo that you're familiar with, uh, what, what would you? How would you the defend this episode? Scope? Yeah, okay. sure. Oh, that's tough because obviously the '70s episodes are are, genu- are generally better. Sure. But I was surprised by this one because it had a lot of interesting. Um, it had a sense of history too, in terms of the gun and having a family member, and it also gave Peter Falk a chance to show that maybe Columbo's is sometimes putting a ruse up for people mm-hmm. and it, it, trying a different route to solve a crime. Um, I thought it was had a lot of energy. I really liked the direction of it. I liked the actors. I liked Thomas Colabro in the shower. Um, I liked him, <laughs> ah, I liked him eating donuts. Yes. Yeah, I liked him. I liked him shooting people. <laughs> I pretty much, yeah. yeah I, I really like this. I'm going to go ahead and give this a rating system. So I'm going to say oh. this is eight out of ten Colabros in the shower. I've oh. never had someone hijack the gimmick. It's like fifty-two <laughs> into this thing. Wow, I'm a little nice. excited. I'm a little. I'm a little breathless and amped up it's now. Great. Really, it's great. Here's, I feel here's, like it's like when you chase a you know you chase a cat into a corner. I'm just wow. Ah, yours better be a corner as good as that, John. Um, I was not a huge fan of this episode. Um, Falk's good in it, and I think it's interesting in this too. Um, because he's not playing it like he does most of the 90s Columbos, where it's like, oh, look, it's your old Uncle Columbo rehashing mm. all the things you like and hitting all those notes and just kind of being pandering. He's actually playing a guy, playing a character, which I like about that. But everything around him, I just think is just kind of uh, poorly constructed and just story-wise, it just doesn't hold up. And it just very much feels like they've just sort of pasted Columbo into a thing that's very much not a Columbo story. Um, 
and yeah, just structurally, there's a whole bunch of stuff that just doesn't read, and a bunch of weird things. Like, yeah, uh, Falk's good in it. It's hard for Falk to be bad as Columbo in anything. Mm-hmm. Never happens. Uh, but yeah, he's being he's being the very best thing of a thing that I think just kind of like, eh, it's just <laughs> there. So yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of this one. I'm I'm not likely uh, to uh, end up breaking this DVD down again by watching it repeatedly. Uh, so, John. Yes, sir. How would you rate this one? What do you think of it? So here's what I here's what I did today. I went back and re-listened to our podcast episode where we covered Undercover, the other Ed McGain, McGain uh, Ed McMain episode. Yeah. Uh, hoping to see what I had rated it so that I could rate this one one higher because I do think this one worked better than Undercover. Mm-hmm. Here's what I discovered. I wasn't doing that gimmick yet, and we sounded really. I thought you were so... doing it. I thought you were doing that from the beginning. What, how long? Was no, that I think one? that only that popped up that during one? an episode I really liked. I did it as a joke, and we kept doing it. Wow, or I either you were that whole time. Or, crazy. Either that or undercover was so depressing that I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> Maybe because you, Leonard, and I sound like <laughs> like we lost our best friend. We could not be more depressed <laughs> oh, at the end of that episode. Oh, if wow. I had to, if I had to, like paint a word picture of exactly our tone. <laughs> oh my god! It was our underdog home team made it through the playoffs and <laughs> and won the first three games of the World Series and then were blown out of the last fourth. Oh, and we so, had just so. we had just ended an eleventh inning tie an eleventh inning overtime they got shut out by a, a three run homer. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say I can understand what you mean uh, because I went mm-hmm. to Michigan State University and I'm a fan <laughs> of that school. And uh yeah they did not do well in the NCAA tournament last week. So, yeah, I'm a yes. fan of the I'm a fan I of the Mariners. So. So, I'm yeah. a fan of the Mariners, oh, well, so I'm just used to them not mind. winning yes. at all. Yeah. Exactly. Um, oh, gosh. So, so with that in mind, I can't really tell whether it's uh, you know, better or worse. So uh the I have thing to go is, back I think, and listen to that one. That's interesting. Oh, you don't have okay. to. The, uh, <laughs> this does work better than undercover, and I think it's because undercover they integrated Columbo into the detective motif, whereas in this one they let him be Columbo outside of it. Oh, okay. I think it That's works a little better. Yeah. Uh, I do think, I think like maybe if they had separated this from Columbo and run it as its own thing, that would have solved one of about, you know, let's be generous and say five problems with the episode mm-hmm. because it suffers by comparison to other nineties Columbos, especially let's take, for example, Columbo loves the nightlife, yeah, which okay was the perfect example of how to do Columbo in the 90s. You oh do all your God. Dick Wolf cutaways. You know, and it's it feels like a 90s show. You're very happy with it, it as a 90s hurts show. Ch- it hurts my chest thinking of that one and what could have been. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can't recommend this one. I don't think it's very good. I don't think it's a good example of Columbo. Uh, it's yeah, hard it's to, not. Yeah, and it's hard to judge on my usual criteria because all my usual criteria are about Columbo. Right. Uh, and, you know, as a as a, a light fan of the 87th Precinct novels, I'm not even really that impressed with it. So I'm going to give this episode a three. Out of anything or just three? No, no, because uh, no, wow. Amanda got Amanda did a great job That's on right. it. I'm going to let her, gonna let thing, her yeah. do the heavy lifting. I'm not <laughs> going to bother. So I give three. it a three. Three. Yeah, a three. Okay. Wow. Goodness. Now I want to go back and find out like uh, when it was exactly you started doing this. Oh, you right? know like, what? Actually, I, I, just I, just, I just thought of a really funny one I wish I had done. I'm going to give it 86. 
I'm going to give it 86 out of 87 precincts. Okay, there we go. No, I'm giving that's it a three. That's a pretty good rating. Yeah, three is that's good. That's a three. Three is good. All right, well, that's <laughs> that's that one. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you for um, uh, tolerating us not liking this one. We appreciate that. Thank you for that. picking this one, Amanda. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. I'm a huge fan of this show. You don't oh, even thanks. know. So Thank you very much. I, was actually, I appreciate I that. actually like, did a shot before I came on so, so I could be calm enough to talk to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're believe such me, first believe me. I'm yeah. always doing that. So anyway, before these. So yeah. Um, well, I, so uh, where? Sh- what do you have going on these days? And uh, where should people go to find out about those things? Well, my main hub right now is my blog, which is Made for TV Mayhem. I also have a companion podcast I do with my two friends, Dan and Nate, called the Made for TV Mayhem Show. It is all about TV movies. My blog does a little bit of everything, but it's generally concentrated on TV movies. Um, I have a book coming out in May called Are You in the House Alone? A TV Movie Compendium, 1964 to 1999, which I edited. Yeah, it's all about TV movies. It's like 30% essays, 70% capsule reviews. I will give you the full title just because I like the full title, which is Are You in the House Alone? Growing Up with Gargoyles, Giant Turtles, Valerie Harper, The Cold War, Stephen King, Co-Ed Call Girls, A TV Movie (laughs) Compendium, 1964 to 1999. It was very important to me that Co-Ed Call Girls be on the title. Oh, sure, sure. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So um, you can also order it now through Head Press and Hardcover. It's a British publisher that's putting it out. But it is oh, it will cool. be available on Amazon. You oh. can get it for pre-order in May. And it, I don't know when this is going to go live. This, will, this but... will go up probably, I think, early April. This will be going up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you have any uh, British listeners, I'm going to be in London yeah, on... Too. Good. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be in London on April 20th. Uh, at a place called the Horse Hospital, doing um, a class for the Miskatonic Institute of Horror Studies, oh my and gosh. it's going to be all about the history of TV horror movies. Wow, that is a that's a very interesting thing you just made up out of whole cloth. <laughs> wow, no, that's amazing. <laughs> wow, that was like that was just no, like no. William S. Burroughs cut up word poems. <laughs> I, know, it's neat. I know oh it's goodness. weird, isn't it? Yeah, I was just in Australia. We did our book launch there at Monster Fest, which is a really amazing film festival. And I did my first public speaking event on a panel. And we sold out of the book. And nice. interestingly enough, awesome. Australians love TV movies, like American TV movies, because they're, they're, to them, they're just movies. And they just saw them on TV and they look at them like they would look at a, a piece of cinema. And so they actually elevated a little. And it was really neat. I don't know if that's the same way they feel about them in England. But um, I'm really excited to see what the response is. Plus, my publisher is there, so we're going to have copies of the book for, for people if they're interested in picking it up early. They, they love Columbo over there, so if you just drop the mm. word Columbo in once in a while or Sergeant Bilko, mm. they'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> okay, that's good. Just, just say that in the middle of sentences, not even about it. They'll be, they'll be good. You'll be fine. Don't I'm applause. Columbo. Yeah. I'm, I'm, in my head, I'm really trying to picture my, my very, very Scottish great-grandfather saying horse hospital. Yeah. Because it, he already called it a horse battle. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, the Back to the Future one's still the best one. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, there we go. <laughs> and yours was Crime Doctor. Crime Doctor was... You know what? Crime oh, Doctor's thanks. the new Knight Goliath. Oh, oh no, I love no. Knight Goliath. Yes. But Knight, Knight Goliath is a brand new thing. Crime Doctor is an old, stupid little comics reference. So, yes. <laughs> it's my favorite I character. Wait, ideas oh. for character. Yeah, the crime doctor's old DC villain, old Batman villain. Yep, I'm oh, yeah, a little yeah, yeah. embarrassed that the you know. If only mask. I knew somebody who who oh. wrote a book on really stupid supervillains from comic books, I could have <laughs> asked him. But and, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so, uh, web-wise, what's the address people should go to or they should follow you uh, to get more details about these things, Amanda? 
Um, www.madefortvmayhem.com and you'll see the links to my Twitter and my my Facebook page where I am very interactive with people if they're interested in talking about TV movies or Columbo. I love okay, Columbo. Okay, great. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you. And John, thank you. Uh, yes, coming up with that, I mean, you've got a book out very, very imminently. Well, actually, by the yes, time it's um, on, uh, it'll be out, out and about. I've been out for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, the Legion of Regrettable Supervillains. It's doing pretty well in the preview review, so we'll nice. see what happens when it comes out. Uh, it comes out March 28th, so we'll have been on uh, Amazon for a couple of weeks. Finder Bookstores, Magic Tree, Book Blimp. I've done this joke before. <laughs> uh, and uh, if you can travel back in time and you happen to be in Portland, I'm starting my book signing tour uh, Monday the 26th, I've been 27th. Of March, uh, but of March, but you're not going to be able to uh, come yeah, see yeah, me no, because that's in the past. Right. Sorry, yeah. sorry, are, everybody. Are you going to be anywhere else, like in April, for this thing in support of it, or just on the internet? Yeah, I'm going to be. I'm going to be running around the Pacific Northwest, and uh, I believe my book tour ends uh, mid-April when this episode comes out. <laughs> well, hey, maybe maybe there'll be a couple days. Maybe like, who knows? But I mean, if they want to find out, they can uh, follow you, Calamity John, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. CalamityJohn.com, yeah. uh, Calamity John on Twitter, <laughs> Calamity John on Tumblr, Calamity John on Ello, Calamity John on Ask Jeeves, uh, Calamity John on Adult Friend Finder, Calamity John on Pets.com. You can find me anywhere on Calamity John. Great. Wonderful. Uh, well, thank you very much, Amanda, for doing this and for uh, sitting and, and tolerating our uh, contrary opinions to it. It actually made me uh, consider things uh, differently oh. about it. Um, Yay! I'm, I'm still not a huge fan of the episode, but... I see your point on a great many things about it. For, uh, for some reason, I, I, I can't stop thinking the name Thomas Calabro. I, I yeah, don't know for why. some reason, I'm really <laughs> into the idea of Thomas Calabro showering now. I think that's like the highlight of the episode. Oh, one thing so I want good. to mention is uh, my wife, after seeing this, uh, she had nightmares about being kidnapped for two nights after. So oh, that's wow. another reason I'm not a huge fan of the episode, for crying out yeah. loud. Oh, I don't know after a better movie or TV show. Um, I just dreamed I was bathing with Thomas Calabro. Of course you did. <laughs> oh, I'm a good fellow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Thomas Calabro. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that, that was so annoying during the last election, having to deal with all the Thomas Calabros. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Calabro would have won. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. Anyway. That's a program for this time around. Uh, if you want to listen to other episodes, <laughs> we had a lot of fun with this one. This is yeah, great. it was a lot more than I thought we were enough. Um, it was really longer than I thought. Um, well, listen to other episodes. <laughs> Go to jmtpodcast.com or look for just one more thing uh, in your favorite uh, podcast app, be it uh, the uh, Google thing or. Um, uh, Stitcher, or especially iTunes. And iTunes, uh, leave us uh, reviews. That helps us in the ratings there. That's a nice thing. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're always uh, posting updates and retweeting other people and responding to folks. Um, that is JMT Podcast on Twitter. And, of course, you can probably guess on Tumblr, we're also JMT Podcast, where, in addition to things about the episodes, John posts screen grabs, uh, deeper thoughts about things, plus supplemental material. Uh, the last... A few weeks, there's been some great stuff of like uh, old, like uh, 70s and 80s parodies of Columbo that he's found. Uh, various places scanned in, uh, old comics, that sort of thing. Uh, neat stuff. Uh, if you want to write to us, uh, to either yell at us or tell us uh, we're doing Fair Midland, that's Columbo at the citydesk.net. That's the program for this time around. I'm RJ White. 
I'm John Morris. I'm going to hold Amanda to that promise to come back and do a Mrs. Columbo in the future. How many people have we promised Mrs. Columbo's to? I don't want to do the entire series. I want to do, like, three. I'm going to hold the ceiling at three. That's three, it. Three more or three total? Three total. Three total. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it. We'll negotiate. Anyway, that's a program. Three more. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Go take a shower. Oh. Let me get out of this. Oh. Yes. Please. <laughs> right away, ma'am. No, nobody can deny. And I'm a jolly good fellow. Oh, yes, I am. I'm a jolly good fellow. Not nobody can deny.